Hello. Hey, John. Hi, Merlin. How's it going? Merlin, man. John. John, don't take your love to town. God, it's early. <laughs> the worm has turned. <laughs> the worm has turned. I just looked that phrase up, not but two days ago. Yeah, is it German? No, it's Shakespeare. Oh. I knew that it was Shakespeare, but I thought I thought that it meant I've been using it of course as we all have forever. <laughs> and I thought that it meant ah, now the now the jig is up, now the shoe is on the other foot, now the um you uh, know what I mean. The like, switch the switcheroo has been pulled. Switcheroo has been pulled, that's exactly right. But in fact, in Shakespeare, it means literally that even the worm one day will rise up if you insult him enough. If you, ins- if, you, if you step on the worm, even the worm will turn. And I, 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 like that. I think I like that one better. I liked it better, too. And I was astonished at how, how neutered the term had become over the centuries. You know, you just sort of like, oh, the worm has turned, hmm, shmurm, shmurm. But in fact, it means, no, the worm will rise up and fight you, even the worm. Oh, it's it's really chilling. It's gnarly. Yeah. <laughs> so all of a sudden, I no longer feel like I can use the worm has turned in the mundane events of my normal life. I have to, I have to save it until I am, I mean, it's like, it's some shit. That a that that a superhero would say when they had almost completely been vanquished. I don't I don't want to talk about comic books, but no, I don't know. It's a heavy, it's a heavy. I think it's good enough. I don't know if this is the I'm using this term correctly. It's a, I'm going to keep my powder dry. I like mm-hmm. it so much that I'm only going to use it a couple times a year. Yeah, yeah. And no, it's, that's it's only going to be if I've really let's say I'm talking to like a doorman or something, and I just want to say <laughs> that's enough. Mm-hmm. The, the worm, well, it, the worm, my friend, has turned. Except in almost every instance that I normally use it, the other person is the worm. <laughs> and now I'm realizing I am. I'm basically calling their. I'm. 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 I'm singing their their anthem. And in fact, I should let them say the now, sir. The worm has turned. That's that. The security guard in a, in whichever episode that was, he should have said. The worm has turned. You're a lot like Samuel L. Jackson in so many ways in, in Pulp Fiction, you know, where at the end, he, you know, he's been saying that Bible verse over and over, and then he realizes it means something else. <laughs> he said, yeah, that's right. I just realized the worm has turned is some cold-blooded shit. Yeah, exactly. And he's going through uh, a transitional period. Yeah, yeah, that's right. He's maybe he's laying maybe he's laying his guns down. You're kind of going through a tra- you're kind of a kind of worm. You're <laughs> turning into a butterfly. I'm feeling I'm you know, I've been laying my guns down lately. And I really don't know what's going to come of it. Someone wrote me a very nice letter the other day saying, you know, I, I think that people, we, we all joke like that this podcast is helpful to people, but then there's the, then there's the next level, which, which is people saying, all kidding aside, it really does help. And then there's the, you know, then there are multiple levels of, are you really kidding? <laughs> then there's people chatting our word choices. <laughs> are you really kidding aside? Yeah, then there's people that are mad at us for every other thing we say. Yeah, you but know, I, I got a lot of, I don't like to talk about the show on the show, but I, uh, I, I saw a lot of nice responses to that too. It's, it's almost like your, uh, your follow-up on the uh, Welsh Troll in some ways. Mm-hmm. So I'd just like to congratulate. I'll cut all this out. Like that. Well, uh, but, but, uh, but I, got a, I got a nice letter from somebody saying uh, that uh, you, should, uh, you should legitimately like, compile your thoughts into some kind of volume because if they if those thoughts were all in one place it would be a very helpful manual uh for people now do you do you agree do you agree with that well no and this is the problem uh uh, because i am i'm uh, more and more all the time i am renouncing my own code in the sense that i although well this is the problem although people are terrible drivers and although they are bad citizens and although they need corrective measures and many 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 people every day should get a light punch in the nose some should get a stronger punch in the nose but i but i no longer feel 
confident that that maybe history isn't against us like that that what seems to us to be a passing phase which is that this that the that the culture is like so concerned with in, in the in the parlance of Merlin Mann, like where's my parade? This like where's my parade culture, and the and the the like overwhelming focus on rights that are being infringed upon, and the and you know like a constant kind of licking of our wounds and and doubling down on our like our peak you know like p i q u e um but it seems like with every passing day this is the language now this is the way that people think and speak the 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 insidiousness of it doesn't doesn't mean that it isn't the new truth and more and more i feel like i don't want to be on the wrong side of history even if i feel like history has turned turned wrong like i i i need to be able to i need to be able to say to people like uh there there's a better way or there's a more elegant way without just without fuming so much you know what i mean i mm-hmm. feel like i i feel like i fume and that that is a that is a, a um what a, 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 a an infertile response to anything really fuming is the is the most neutered response and i need to be more active and i don't and i so i have to engage i have to engage this culture on its terms and i resent it <laughs> well you know uh, the attitude that you have had uh fairly recently historically makes <laughs> sense um if if you're in a in a club and somebody slaps you with a white glove you're entire you like you're totally entitled to to give that person a punch in the nose it's just that like a lot of people who don't really know you are emailing you gloves and that doesn't scale <laughs> well and also like I, like I, it seems almost like the like the kind of apocryphal guy who who believes in a gentleman's handshake and then the unscrupulous developer um, shows up with bulldozers and tears down his house uh, because the guy didn't read the fine print. And although we all agree that the guy who didn't, you know, the guy who believes in a, in a gentleman's agreement is like morally, ethically the hero of that, of that poem, he still got his house torn down and he still is, you know, like you have to learn the, you have to learn to read the fine print. And it seems like now, more and more, the fine print is oversensitivity, hyper-consciousness of language to the exclusion of meaning, and, uh, you know, and a, a complete focus on the surface of, the, the, the surface, like, realms of umbrage and uh, insult and very little interest in the in generalism and in uh, well that's that's what sells i mean it's you know well it, i know but you but the but these are these are the college kids these are the kids that used to sit and and debate i mean even 20 years ago sit and debate the finer points of yeah but here's part of the problem with that is that right now um transgender rights are indistinguishable from liking android and people want to have the same kind of, you know, incredibly heated argument that goes nowhere. That basically comes down to, I wish more people agreed to be like me, mm-hmm. and and that is generally not a fruitful way to go. And I think history has borne that out. Part mm-hmm. of the problem with the parade thing, um, 
in my opinion, is that you know if you want a parade, go start your own fucking parade and don't care who comes and don't care who likes it or not. That's mm-hmm. that that is you know what that's empowerment. Empowerment is not sitting around and waiting for people to use the right word to make you feel like a whole human. It's going out and living your life the way that you want and being imperturbable about the people who see you as less than you want to be. And and there's no amount of parsing language that's going to fucking improve that. It's just it can't be done. Maybe in time everybody will evolve, but the best way for that to evolve is everybody who wants to be in that parade all walking in the same direction and not worrying about who likes it or not. Yeah. Unfortunately, if I had chosen to live in a world, uh, if I if if I had chosen in college to be an electrical engineer, I would that's now a, that's be a good in, job, John. That isn't it's a it's a good paying job. I would be now living in a culture of engineers, specifically electrical engineers, and <laughs> within the, within our that's culture, like, that's like being the car radio doctor. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's well, officially an engineer. Within our culture, us electrical engineers sitting around at our drafting tables uh, and our uh, AutoCAD terminals and, uh, you know, whatever, our, our uh, function machines, uh, the culture of our, of our profession and our, our side of the world, you know, generally electrical engineers tend to be very process oriented and, you know, and, and within that, I would be able to pretty much adopt you know with whatever kind of worldview i wanted to and and maintain it uh, regardless irrespective of what the outside world is doing because i am living in my electrical engineer igloo or my uh my trapper minor trappers ball uh gang or whatever but you know i have chosen to be someone who is engaged with the culture specifically the leftist culture, not just in America, but in the world and the progressive, you know, I have chosen to be a progressive. This is the problem. I have, I have chosen to be a progressive. I am not a wonk. I am a, I am a person who is, who spent his whole life engaged in the, in the culture of ideas. And this is the, this is where the culture of ideas seems to be trending. And I mean, you know, so often I get letters or you and I get letters from people who work in universities and who appreciate what we do. And yet at the end of the, at the end of the page, they always feel very good naturedly. Like they need to just kind of add like one little tag sentence, one little tag at the end saying something about you know how we need to take more feminist theory classes or how ping pong is is ping pong or whatever you know some little just like good-natured but still pointed lecture that we're doing it wrong and and all you know and it's all it always comes from the same place that we are we that they that they love that we are thinking outside of the of the the mental block or the the, the mental uh, apartment blocks but that in the end they're also confident that that we're doing it wrong that we are that that we are um that, that joke racism isn't funny that that joke that joking isn't funny when it is about these uber serious topics of identity and uh like and because because i'm because i have chosen progressivism as my language like i can't make myself invulnerable to that you know what i mean like i can't Mm -hmm. say you don't get it you're not you don't dig it like you're not hip or whatever like i have to engage progressives on their turf but but don't you i mean there must be things that you enjoy except for this one thing it's just that you don't feel the need to well i'm I'm not trying to sound ungrateful for somebody liking them i mean i i I can only speak for myself it just it doesn't bother me because it's everybody's entitled to an opinion uh for sure and it's nice that people want to make some kind of connection but to to maybe maybe to your point um i think 
I, you know, I'm not crazy about that word brand, but it's hard to get away from. Um, mm. We have a personal brand about how we want the world to see us and what things we achieve, you know, choose to associate ourselves with. And part of brand is in some ways story. And it, for a story to make sense, it has to have a beginning, a middle, and an end. And the stories that we tell ourselves have to make sense and they have to not have plot holes. And the re- what I bring up branding, because when you have a story in your head about how something goes, you're, you're, as much as you might really enjoy something or really, you know, not, not just this, but whatever, there might be something you really enjoy. But, you know, when you find out that Bill Moyers drove drunk, you can't help but have that, like, not sit right in your head. You, you turn it over because it doesn't fit the story. It doesn't fit the brand. I think that's what it is. And I think that gets heavily amplified. On the web and in social media interactions, because that's the, we don't, you know, we stop noticing, you know, the huge amount of DNA that, that has us similar, meaning mostly, you know, people who can afford to have a computer and an internet connection. And mm-hmm. it goes into that narcissism of minor differences about this one thing we can't reconcile in that right. story. And that's what people get fixated on. And, you know, I'm not saying everybody should sit around and sing Kumbaya. I'm, I'm saying just, you know, can't everybody just go like do their own thing and be fucked up and have that be okay? Like <laughs> it's why, 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 you know, there's always been bad parties and we've always had the ability to walk away from them. You know, you, you need to hang out with a better <laughs> class of people. And your racist friend. <laughs> you. And your racist friend. That's a great song. If I seem a little distracted, it yes. is because. Did I hear beeping? When I first moved into this house, my neighbors said, you got to get an alarm. You have to get an alarm for your house because there are a lot of breakings and enterings. And I was like, "Mm, yeah, I have my own security system in the form of tiger traps. (laughs) It's in the umbrella stand by the door. (laughs) But uh, but they were like, no, no, no. You know, like a, a good friend of mine, his house got broken into like three times and he has dogs. And I think the the thieves just like actually threw some steaks up on the porch. The dogs ran out on the porch to get the steaks. Was and it the Sylvester thieves, the cat breaking? The in? thieves ran in, shut the door behind the dogs, and then took everything. Uh-huh. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to get an alarm system. But then it then it was that that same process that you go through anytime you want a service now. Just like ordering the ordering the phone or the internet or whatever, it's like a whole menu of different exp- uh, uh, you know uh, different services and attendant charges. None of them are the right. The menu is never right. It's like wait a minute. It's like the Wright brothers. Wait a minute. I get. We're, I, we're living I, in the age of paper planes yeah, and bicycle right. engines. It, it, right. It's. I've thought about doing that, and I found it. It was like buying an Adobe product. It was completely yeah. inscrutable. The options yeah. and the names and the features and benefits. I find it totally overwhelming. It's the worst, and it's. Uh, you know, I canceled my cable because I was insulted that <laughs> internet cost whatever it costs, a hundred dollars, and cable was five dollars extra. It's like why I don't subscribe to the New York Times because they're like the Sunday New York Times is eight dollars a. $8 a month, and then you can get it every single day of the week for $8.25. And you're like, fuck you. You know what? That's just, I, I it's, hate the it's whole u- idea. Usurous. That's right. It's usurious. So, but, but my friends were like, you got to get this alarm system. So I got an alarm system installed, but I don't have a landline. So yeah, I had to get an alarm system that was cell phone based. So when somebody breaks into your house, it, it over the cellular for, for, for your convenience over the cellular wires, it sends an alert, and I knew that it was, I knew that it was a placebo. You know, I knew that this thing would never protect me from burglary or from fire or from anything. But it was a thing that every time I leave the house, I push the buttons on the wall. It gives me a reassuring series of beeps. And I walk out of the house secure in the knowledge that there is a fake thing guarding my house and that, 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 uh, that this fake thing is going to act somehow as a deterrent against whatever, like, methy burglar wants in my house. But, but I knew the whole time it is a cheap-ass system. If it went off, none of my neighbors would hear it, let alone respond to it. The company itself, probably, uh, probably the alarm would, the, there'd be so many dropped calls that it would take 20 minutes to send the message and then the cops would be here four hours later. 
But just recently, the alarm has decided after four or five years of being in my house that it is having a malfunction. And now it just beeps uh, at random times. And I called the company and went through a whole process with the with their customer service person where she tried everything she could to fix it from a, from a long distance to no avail. And now it wakes me up in the middle of the night right now. (laughs) And now it's beeping downstairs. And I feel like I, not only do I feel like ripping it out of the wall, but I feel like ripping, I feel like ripping like America out of the wall. You know, there's there, there, this is the model. That this company has this company knows that it is a shit service for for the for those keeping track it is called monotronics that is the Mon- name of monotronics is that a local company or a- no it is not it's it's one of these like it's a it's a national company it is probably owned by a series of offshore shell companies <laughs> and and ultimately it is owned by general electric or by Halliburton. Uh, Hall- it's probably owned by Halliburton. And it is it is a it is a pyramid scheme kind of company where they are tr- what they're trying to do is get more customers all the time. They are not trying to provide service, you know. Like they're out there just, just, <laughs> just, <laughs> just like going do- going door to door trying to recruit people is into it, their sorry, into John, their. Does it really do it that often? Is it really going that often? Well, it has it has never done this before <laughs> until I sat down to do this podcast, and then all of a sudden I was like, that thing just beeped now twice. And now, now it's it's every, I think it's happening every forty five seconds. It keeps me mindful, right? And that's and so right now it's like it is really keeping me in the present. But 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 it's an example. Like I remember, yeah, I remember when I when I left Verizon, and I had been on Verizon. Verizon had my first cell phone, and I was on Verizon for eight years or something like that. And I wanted to get an iPhone, and they didn't have it. And I said to the lady, you know, I called him up and I was like, I've been on month to month for like five years now. I'm canceling my service because I want to get an iPhone and I have to go to AT&T. I don't like them any better, but I, but I want to, I want to, I want to make this move. And she said, well, you came in a year and a half ago because you dropped your phone in the bathtub. And at that time you signed a new contract and so you are not on month to month you are under contract to us and it's going to cost you $300 to get out of this contract and i was like i did no such thing i dropped my phone in the tub and i came in and i paid some money and she said you right you shook hands but you didn't read the fine print i didn't read the fine print and they did not you know that they that's their game they didn't tell me that i was signing a new contract they said well we can give you this brand new phone for only $25 and i was like well shucks you guys are nice. And so I was so mad and I'm talking to this woman on the phone and I was like, this is your idea of customer service. Like I'll never use Verizon again. And she said quite wisely, you are calling to cancel your Verizon service. Why would I think you were going to use Verizon again? And I, and I, I thought about it for a second. I was like, you know, life is long, lady. Like, there's there's another fifty years of me interacting with phone companies, and you are you're 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 like you're burning this bridge right now with me over some couple hundred bucks. Um, but that's your you know that's your attitude, and your attitude is that next next time you'll have the iPhone, and then I'll just like a little patient lamb, I'll just be led over to be tied up at your corral. That was kind of a tortured metaphor. Yeah. I, uh, but anyway, so this okay. this monotronics thing, and I just I feel like I don't know. It's like I'm back to wanting to put a flamethrower to everybody, and I'm I just don't feel like that's I can't continue to be my my method. Well, <clears throat> I, I I'd like to continue sounding very sage and uh, and and distant from these things, but that makes I me in- incredibly emotional. It makes me want to tear America out of the wall. And because every single one of them is a shitstorm, there's not yeah. one of them that you can get mobbed up with that's going to be good. I mean, ask ask how many people do you see walking around in a Verizon shirt and being really happy? Like you just it doesn't <laughs> <laughs> the Verizon tattoo. Sure, 
Well, and it's <laughs> only Verizon can judge me. It's all the startups down in in, in uh, San Francisco no, who are just it's, trying it's to like disruptive. Just shovel that shit out the door, and then you know, and let people let you know, just like let people deal with it. I guess, and we'll we'll have we'll have our we'll have our hundred million dollars, and we'll be on to the next garbage pile. I I, I, um, I, I had a similar galling experience as long as we're talking about customer service. We should really get back to food and parenting. But mm-hmm. the um, this one really killed me. I uh, at some point you know, something happened later on. I want to like do something different with my my phone. Find out if I'm eligible for a thing. And they go, oh well, you know, you're same as you. You actually you just re-upped your contract. You know, mm-hmm. a few months ago, mm-hmm. and uh, I was like, hmm, I like what an auto renew thing, and like, no, you, you, you know, when you you, you changed ask, your options, I asked you them, changed your login pin, <laughs> close, <laughs> even better. I added a service. I added tethering so that I could use my phone, you know, to to connect, you know, using my iPad, oh. I could tether to my phone. So I I asked them to charge me extra for something that's really pretty much an invisible non-service and that renewed my contract with them which yeah that that's really gracious of them to you know but you know you pay for it and then you get that and you know it's like the the whole thing you know the 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 part that i can't reconcile in this story is that like i really wish i could just deal with people and have a, a relationship that didn't feel like i constantly have to monitor like exactly how and when i'm being fucked yeah, and, and whether that's something like a company who keeps emailing me stuff, even though I never signed up for anything, um, I mean, silly stuff like that. But I mean, you know, you think about what you pay for a phone; it, it really, really adds up. And uh, it makes me, it makes my world small because I do stuff like right now. I have my phone forward to Google Voice just because I don't get real phone calls anymore. Yeah, <clears throat> the vast majority of calls that I get, like this afternoon, I got, I got a phone call. I don't know what it's about. I don't speak Spanish. I think it might be about <laughs> refi mortgages. <laughs> Uh, you don't have a mortgage. I know, but I got a phone. Abominos. <laughs> <laughs> I get. You know, I had a guy come and and fix my ant problem. I finally had an oh, exterminator that's come. Great. <laughs> well, wait, wait for it. Okay. The guy comes. He's like, and the woman on the phone. I said, "How much does it cost to have?" And she says, "Well, ants are really hard to uh, eradicate. We'll have a guy come out with a free estimate." I was like, mm-hmm, "Free mm-hmm. estimate." Mm-hmm. So the guy comes out. And of course, like he comes out at eight thirty in the morning, and I have somewhere to be that one day. <laughs> I have somewhere to be that one day at nine, you know, nine fifteen, and I'm like, all right, all right, let's hurry this along. Like, what, what's the story? And he's like, oh yeah, you got ants, all right. I said, yeah. How much? How much to get rid of the ants? And he was like, well, it's a two hundred and seventy five dollar process. Uh, and I was like, fine. You know what? You're here. I'm not going to comparison shop. I'm not going to send you away. Get rid of the ants. And like, like let's, let's get this happening. The ants have been driving me crazy all summer. And so he pulls out this paperwork and he's like, all right, well, let's get you signed up for a plan. Oh, come on. And I was like, what? What? You're, a, you're an exterminator. Like you, 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 you got dirt on the knees of your pants. What, what are you talking about? Well, it's right there in the name. Once you get rid of the ants, why do I need a plan? He says, ants are really hard to get rid of. Usually what happens is we kill the ants, then they come back. Oh, he's helping you. And if you if we sign you up for a plan, then every time we come back it's just a seventy nine dollar charge. <laughs> but if we don't if we don't sign you up for a plan, then every time we come back you have to charge you three hundred dollars again. And I was like, So what's the plan? And he was like, Well the plan is for forty nine dollars a month, we keep the ants out for good. And I was like, hmm. So, so every I'm six you, months, I'm paying for a visit, essentially. Right? Yeah, I'm paying you $49 a month forever or until at what point do you feel like it's you, you are confident that they won't come back? And he's like, well, ants are really hard to eradicate. Oh and I was like, listen, man, I did not. I had you here to kill some ants. I did not think I was joining a club or or a cult or whatever Whatever you think, whatever kind of thing this is, like a plan? Seriously? You think I'm going to sign up and have you just like auto-deduct 50 bucks a month and, and you hope that I forget about it? I mean, that's what they all do. That's the, that's the whole business model now. Half of American companies, their business model is let's hope, they've, let's hope they signed up for direct pay and forget about I it. Think, yeah, I think re- recurring revenue is really huge in, in corporate um, America. Yeah, right. So I would just sit here like a... Like a uh, 
you know, like a milk cow for the next 20 years while this company is just like, oh, you know, you, you just 50 bucks a month and the ants never come back. And I'm like, wow, I'm so lucky. And it's just like, so the guy killed the ants. It's been two weeks. I haven't seen an ant. But I'm starting to wonder whether the ants aren't, whether there's not, I mean, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised to catch that guy in my bushes with a bucket of ants. Yeah. Um, ants are a complicated problem, John. No, nobody really knows where ants come from. I went out the other day and there were ants. I saw a hive of ants in my, <laughs> I saw a hive of ants in my driveway and I went in the house. There was, the, there were these same little ants went in the house very patiently, put the mail in my mail jar. I put the keys in the key, uh, cup. Took my coat off, took my shoes off, put on my loafers, put on my cardigan sweater, went into the kitchen, boiled a pot of boiling water. When the water was boiling hot, I carried it out into the driveway and I poured the boiling water down the ant hole. You you should you should <laughs> offer to do that for other people. It was fifty dollars a month. It was total carnage, Feels and I heard so good. I heard so a million good. souls scream out all at once, yeah. and then go silent. And I, I felt no remorse. I felt only, I felt only peace. We were <clears throat> driving back from my sister in law's yesterday, and listening. We listened to "Pretend to Fall" all the way through. Aww. And at some point, I turned around and said to my daughter, "Hey, you know that that's that's Uncle John. You should just know that in my household." You are known for doing something podcasty with me. Mm-hmm. She knows that, my daughter. Um, and, you know, we've played your records a lot, but mainly what she knows you for is something that she can recite from memory, which is I'll sometimes say, So, what are we going to do? And she says, You go outside, you take off your clothes, you throw a garbage can through the window, and you set the place on fire. <laughs> that, that, that is what you are known for. That, that, that is your claim to fame in, in our home. <laughs> oh, you're raising them right. We went to that place that I, when you first uh, suggested that as a as a palliative for uh, dealing with the stuff on her burger. Last time we went to that place here in our neighborhood to get her a burger, I said I looked <laughs> I looked in, in the woman's eyes <laughs> and I said I said this is my daughter she's five. It's very very important that when you make her burger, it have exactly three things on it. It should have some bread in the form of a bun. It should have a a, a meat burger. And it should have cheese, and there should be absolutely nothing else on there. That's it. And then, of course, my daughter indicated to her what would happen if they got it wrong. She said that? Yeah. She says, or we're going to go outside, take off our clothes, throw a garbage can through the window, and set the place on fire. (laughs) And I said, no, she's not really going to do that. Kids say the darndest things. You know, the thing about stories, John, you know, we get to tell our own story for a while, but if the story is really good, eventually it's not our own anymore. It becomes yeah. somebody else's story. That's right. It goes out into the stream. <sighs> and then the worm turns. Worms. We've got uh, annelids, right? I think they're annelids. Is that the phylum? You got worms. You got ants. I did very I just, poorly in biology. I find that hard to believe. Oh, my goodness. I was telling my lady today uh, how when I was in seventh grade, when I was in military school, I had perfect grades and perfect deportment. I had straight A's, like a lot yeah. of people, and I, had, I was the only person in my entire company in military school that didn't have a demerit all year. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I remember that was like really? 120 kids or something. Yeah. You were born again hard. Mm, I was scared. That's yeah. what I was. Yeah. And then I went into consumer math in eighth grade, and so it's pretty much all downhill from there. You know, I, I reflect often on my... Uh, my cadet years in the Civil Air Patrol, and um, and I, you know, I think there there were there were a couple of points along the way where I could have, right, my life could have gone a very different route. Hmm. But but uh, you know, I was in the Civil Air Patrol in Alaska in the seventies, and most of the facilities that we were afforded by the Air Force at the time were. Either built, well, generally had been built in World War II. Like we, the if the Air Force built a new building, they moved into it and they abandoned the old World War II building. And then the Civil Air Patrol was, you know, given access to these kind of shabby places. And so there was that kind of weird military mothball smell to everything. 
and a kind of, you know, like the doors all shut really solidly, but there was a sense, there was a sense that there was black mold in the walls and it did not, none of it filled me with a feeling that, uh, that, that pursuing a career in the military was like going to be a safe and enveloping environment. You know what I mean? It mm-hmm. was, it, it felt very, it was always very cold in those places and not unfriendly, but, but like disinterested. That was the thing. Being on a military base as a, as a, as a young kid or as a, as a person in his early teens, the, the, they were completely disinterested in me, in, in my thoughts, in who I was. Like I was being judged entirely on how, on, you know, on, obviously, duh, on the conformity, how well, I, you know, my deportment, exactly as you say. And, I didn't, I guess I didn't, um, what, what, whatever it is that people find in the military culture, the, 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 like they, they, they want the challenge or they, you know, they want to excel or succeed in a realm where excellence is measurable. Um, you know, those things were not communicated to me in an appealing way. And I just, I just always felt like, estranged in that environment and i and and although i was the biggest military uh like army nutcase Mm -hmm. as a kid i i didn't you know i and and i went into that cadet program with this with the real passion for it i kind of came out the other side not not disillusioned but just disaffected like it sounds like it wasn't a good cultural fit it wasn't, and that was even before. I mean, it's not like I went to boot camp and said, "Wait a minute, this where there's no room in here for my artistic sensibility." You know, I was I was twelve, and I guess I, I guess what it ended up being was that I just didn't get off on it, um, and I watched other kids really get off on it, but I kind of. You know, uh, my dad was a member of another organization, so he he was a he was a colonel in the Civil Air Patrol because he was the wing legal officer, and that entitled him, believe it or not, to wear a white turtleneck as his <laughs> uniform, a, a white turtleneck with a with a blue blazer, and like a that and sounds like, like a, a like a colonel of Spanish language literature. <laughs> it, was, it was incredible. He was the only one. I mean, everybody else was in Air Force uniforms, and he was in this white turtleneck with a blue blazer and then a crest, like a like a. Uh, oh, you like would a, look so good in that. Right, an eagle grasping a propeller, oh. uh, in gold braid on his on the pocket of his jacket. He, he, he was such a badass. Uh, but and and you know of course as wing legal officer like everything my dad did he assumed that eighty percent of the rules of the organization didn't apply to him. Um, this is a man who had his own <laughs> private train car from his employer. <laughs> but my dad was also a member of a of a secret organization called the Quiet Birdman. <laughs> and the quiet is this in as much as you can say is this aviation related. That's correct. The Quiet Birdman was an organization founded after World War One, founded by like former World War One fighter aces, and it was a group that started meeting in some Italian restaurant in New York City, you know, in 1920. And uh, it was a it was a group that you could not join. You had to be you had to be tapped. You had to be invited by. Uh, the current membership and then once you were tapped you were a life member and i think it only cost a dollar to join and then you have you were a life member and like eddie rickenbacker and charles Lindbergh were members and neil armstrong i mean it's one of these groups of like gordon cooper no one no no, they don't they don't talk about it you're not supposed to talk about the quiet birdman but i a really cool id card too well, yeah, and I so this is the thing. I still have my dad's, all my dad's Quiet Birdman stuff, and I've talked to other f- children of Quiet Birdman who survivors have pa- who have passed who have who have passed onto into the next dimension, who have flown into up into the clouds and not come down. 
And they have they claim that when their fathers died, someone from the Quiet Birdman showed up and collected the membership card and all their paraphernalia. Oh. So that didn't happen in my case. And and I, I challenge any listener who is a member of the Quiet Birdman to try and come get it. You're gonna if you're ready to go nose to nose with the old monotronics. <laughs> That's right. You, you ready to <laughs> beep, beep, ready, beep 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 beep. You ready to deal with the with the uh, the, the forty five second beeping? Come at me. Come at me, bro. But wow. so yeah, so quiet birdman. So my dad would go to these quiet birdman meetings, and of course in Alaska, there are a lot of quiet birdmen because that's where old astronauts go to retire. Hmm. And he would go off to these meetings, and I, you know, it was like it was like he was with his fraternity. I would say, you know, why don't you show me the Phi Gamma Delta handshake? And he would say never, mm-hmm. and he never did. I, I asked him on his deathbed to show me his fraternity handshake, and he said no chance. Good for him. And died with it. Mm. But the quiet Birdman, he was even more secretive about. And I was like, what happens at those meetings? And he said, eh, we just get everybody else, everybody else gets drunk and then we all tell dirty jokes. And I was like, really? That's. And he's like, pretty much. It's like, seriously, you, you, you get all dressed up and you go off to this secret meeting in a hotel somewhere, uh, just sit around and tell dirty jokes with astronauts? That doesn't sound I, like I don't, you. I don't believe it. It doesn't sound like you for a second. And he was like, well, it's just, it's just, it's just it. plausible enough that like somebody who wasn't thinking about it a lot would believe it. But I'm mm. guessing there were, there was a serious fucking ruckus going on with the quiet Birdman. Well, that's what I'm thinking too. And you know, my dad had no, I'm thinking maybe of, like, you got like a black bag type thing. Like they, well, they might've been out doing some stuff, you know, well, little mini missions. There were plenty of opportunities for him to go sit around with drunks and listen to dirty jokes. He's he didn't lawyer, need to, I mean, yeah, that's right. He didn't need to go to this, this stupid thing. And then, you know the other, all the other shit that my dad was into. I, 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 I wonder what the Quiet Birdmen were up to. And the the problem is, if you try and figure it out, if you go online, it, it's it's true. It's like the, um, it's like the Bohemian Grove. You get a you get a you get a glancing overview on the internet, like, oh yeah, that's right, it's an organization, and here are the members, and everything else is secret. So go fuck yourself. Yeah. And you go well, no, seriously, what? Why in the hell would Warren Buffett go sit out in the trees with Henry Kissinger? for a week like what is in it for him and they're like oh we tell dirty stories yeah, i'm guessing like, teenage mm, girls i don't know i don't know but i'm not buying it so i don't but the thing is i but i'm i am i am scared enough of the organization that it's not like i would try and impersonate a quiet birdman no i think the average age of qu- the quiet birdman is probably 84 <laughs> and they would know in an instant you know they would <laughs> they would i'd walk in the door and they'd go hmm what's this a flapper and aileron and i'd be like uh and they're like ah <laughs> Show me your hands. <laughs> Show me your hands is right. <laughs> I'm the um, I'm the first one in uh, three generations to not well in as much as I can say, as you know. Right. I know I'm not in any secret organizations, and my grandfather was in Scottish Rite, right? As was my father. Really? My Were gran- you Deep Molay? My my uh, my mom was in Rainbow Girls, right? And her uh, let's just say quote unquote boyfriend. <laughs> It was a figure skater, was in Demolay. Yeah. Um and uh they love to dance. Uh but no, that then so Demolay they're, they're very rhythmic people. <laughs> he, he, he uh yeah, he, he went over to the uh other side. Yeah. He um he uh so so anyway, but it's it's really strange. Uh, the uh the the thing that's weird to me is that like with secret organizations, is like, you know, it's a secret organization. And you're not allowed to talk about stuff, but people, they, they still, they, it isn't secret enough that like, you don't know what the logo looks like. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? If, if you're in, um, like, like for example, I, I think I might've told you this before, but I had all my dad's old lighters on display in my office. My first job, I had a private office with all, you know, I decorated. So I had, sure. I had like 15 really cool lighters. This is a lighter from Korea and stuff like that. And one of them had the, uh, you know, the symbol, what with the compass and yeah. the, the G in it. <laughs> now, what is that? That's Freemasons. Is that not Freemasons. That's Freemasons. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and a guy, a local printer came in to talk about a job we were getting done. And he comes, he was going, oh, yeah, we can print run and two up and and he goes, are you a, uh, you a Mason? <laughs> I said, no, no, my dad died and I've got his lighter. He's like, are you uh, thinking about uh, coming to Mason? Ooh. 
<laughs> and, but he he said it like he was like he was offering me a lollipop in a white van, oh. and and I, I was like, um, <clears throat> no, I no, you know, it's nothing I've ever. Uh, he slides his card across my desk and says, "You uh, you let me know when you're ready to become a man." Wow. I'm still not ready. Still not a man. Nope. <laughs> I've buried the lighter. I don't want to even. <laughs> <laughs> the, the thing about the military, you know, I had, I, I, in sixth grade, a year before I did military school, I think the only thing that made military school appealing to me was maybe, uh, some, 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 uh, teen comedies I'd seen involving, you know, military school and, yeah. uh, and a book I got out of the library in sixth grade on West Point. And, uh, I, it, it all seemed extremely orderly. Mm-hmm. I learned how to make hospital corners. Mm-hmm. I learned all, and I was really into it for a while. Right. Bounce and, a quarter on your bed. I did. I did. I knew exactly like the little, uh, how long the flap should be at the top, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And today I'm a bush pig. You know, I can barely find room at my desk to put the mic. Did but, you ever short sheet a guy's bed? No, I was aware of the technology, but I never deployed it. This is this is the thing. I have, you know, when I was in the Civil Air Patrol, it, just, it doesn't home. seem like it would work. It just who who doesn't look in their bed? <laughs> but but we short sheeted people's beds all the time, and your bed, you know, you like you pull <laughs> you pull open the sheets, and it's not like it's not like it catches you where you like. You you go to slide oh, into your bed. You guys and like, have modestly boing. inconvenienced me. Yeah, but but you know you pull open your sheets and then oh it's not a bed it's an envelope. <laughs> I mean it, and it was hilarious and I learned I learned this technology when I, when I was twelve years old, twelve thirteen years old, and I have never in the rest of my life thirty odd years since then I have never had the opportunity to short sheet somebody's bed and I'm always looking for it. Is that right? Like, because. Who makes their bed? You go like, on those who? cruises. They got sheets, right? Couldn't you short sheet Jonathan Colton's bed? I guess. I guess I could if I could get into his room. But I mean, all those rooms, everybody's got a key card. Do you think he'd be frustrated? I think it would I think be, he would. I think he, he, might, would be he, funny. he might have a moment of reflection for like a week. I think he would. I think he would think about that for a while. I'd wonder I'd, more about how somebody got in my room, probably. Well, that that's the thing. I think I think it would be most effective on Paul Saboran's bed. <laughs> But, uh, but, but like this, it seems unfair. It seems like short sheeting, once you learn it, you should be able to use it the rest of your life. And this is just like, I still think about it. I'm, but you know what? I'm going to, this cruise, this cruise this year, I'm going to, I'm going to look for the opportunity to short sheet. Well, John, I know you're going through a transitional phase. I'm just going to talk, we'll probably end up cutting this out, but I just yeah. want to say you have so far today, you have uh, revealed the brand name of your home security system. You've mm-hmm. indicated that you have, let's be honest, purloined quiet Birdman credentials. Mm-hmm. And now you're talking about what kinds of, uh, of pranks you're going to deploy. You, you might want to think about playing it a little bit closer to the vest. Well, I'm, I feel like, I feel like it's maybe open book season for me. Good for you. Like, like this business of the the guy saying when you're ready to be a man, I do feel like there was some important moment, important moment in the '50s montage of my young life, where I should have gone through some kind of fraternal hazing, where where peers slightly older, dressed in robes, paddled me, <laughs> or put hot wax on me, or made me perform some kind of ritualistic. Uh, Sounds like you know, just another weekend in Germany. Well, yeah, except the, uh, the the Germany that I experienced, I was all by myself. I was in I was in I was in these hallowed halls, but there was nobody there to drip hot wax. Why on do me. you think you weren't? Uh, it's your your father obviously walked down some uh, very secret corridors of power. Why do you think you were not drawn into these organizations? Was he protecting you? No, no. I think it. I think that it was clear from the beginning that I was too lippy, as my dad would say. You're too lippy. Uh, what, by you which mean, like he, sass mouth? Yeah, by which he meant like, like uh, the presumption of somebody who talks as like f- as much and as floridly as I do and did hmm. uh, is that I'm not, you know, I'm not stoic enough. Not. Um, uh, you know, not John McCainy enough. Although I guess he was a he was a you're, you're also too. you're kind of not strictly speaking a team player. Not a team player. That's right. Not, not that you're against the team, but there's not no, there's no, to, like, uh, there's no John in team, 
I mean, I definitely wouldn't leave a man behind. No. But I'm also not, I mean, if somebody, seriously, if I was being interrogated in a, in a foreign prison, I would just instinctively have a lot more to say, a lot more I wanted to say than just my name, rank, and serial number. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that seems so limiting. And maybe some of the things I would say would be obfuscating. Hmm. Maybe it would, you know, maybe I would create a whole, I'd create a whole mind picture in my interrogator's a uh, little notebook where he would be, you know, they'd be still, they'd, they'd be teasing out all the, the hidden meanings for years. I, I don't think you can under, you can understate. Uh, wait a minute. I don't think you can overstate the value of someone who appears to be cracking under pressure and flooding them with misinformation. Oh, it's like a double reverse mind fuck. And that would be me. I mean, mm-hmm, I'm you know, mm-hmm. I'm not going to sit there. You pretend, pretend to crack under pressure. Yeah, stand at attention That's and stare out the window. I do too. I would definitely pretend. Pretend to crack under pressure. The problem is, then they go. They try and vet some of this stuff. Like you got to give them some real information. You got to give them the, the easy stuff's got to be real, so that they can go. They yeah. can go vet it and say like, oh well, he must be telling the truth. So I guess, they haven't used that thing in months. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And then. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, I feel like there's, there has always been a role for me in America's intelligence services, but they have this, they're, they're so fixated on, like, have you ever done drugs? Like, what do you, all you're going to get is squares if that's your, if that, if that's your litmus test. I, I've been holding off saying it, John, because I, I don't want to do anything to, you know, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but have you ever wondered if maybe that was just something to scare off the people who weren't really serious? Because again, I mean, I, I really, we've covered this a little in the past, but I, I think being somebody who, who's found new levels of rock bottom might be just the sort of person you would want on a certain very particular kind of mission. No, maybe you're not going to go into like, like Bosnia and give out frosted flakes, but you know, you, you, there might be something extremely specific. And you know, with all the NSA information stuff, there, this might be actually a unique opportunity right now. People would know exactly what kind of mission you would be right for. Would you still want to do it today? Well, this is the problem that the, the- as soon as I became familiar with the idea that there were agents and then those, there were operatives, operatives right? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to get so many letters. That's enough. <laughs> I don't want to be run by somebody else. I mean, you know, maybe, yeah, sure. Somebody like maybe director of operations, but I don't want to, rep- I don't, I don't want to be, I don't want to be an asset. You know what I mean? I'm nobody's fucking asset. I'm my own asset. Mm-hmm. And this is the problem. I don't want to be recruited by some ding-a-ling at, you know, and not have the full picture and just be out. You You'd know. have to really be a company man. You, you would really yeah. have to give yourself... First of all, I, I, a lot of it's just going to be extremely tedious. A lo- yeah, you a sit lot around the stuff. safe house for four yeah. years, and then all of a sudden your, your digital watch beeps three times, and you're like, huh? Just as like somebody blows the door. And that's your signal to go watch something with binoculars for two years. Don't you think? I mean, is, yeah, don't you think that's yeah, like yeah. a lot of what that stuff is? Here, here's the thing: a lot of these secret organizations, like the Quiet Birdman and the Freemasons, you know, they're kind of dying on the vine. They, those guys are they, they 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 were not successful at recruiting a new generation. But what if we started kind of like our 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 uh, guest house hostel for oh, for snipers for snipers? What if we started a secret? organization that was actually an intelligence service like a civilian intelligence service Hmm. sort of a a Halliburton but of of like uh, made up entirely of British guys with explosives in their suitcases Mm -hmm. and like renegade kind of Captain Haddock style surly uh, retired retired agents that never were actually employed by the... That sounds like a perfect fit. You know what and, I mean? Like, yeah. So it could be, it's not governmental in nature. Right. It's, it's not strictly private in nature. It's, right. it's semi-private in nature. So obviously it's, it's got to be uh, extreme secrecy maintained. Right. It's all about, it's all about different levels of clearance, different, you know, and, and you, you get all the spy craft, all the tunnel digging and the fake IDs, oh, man. the counterfeit money, the false passports, the, you know, the like 
all the all the all the spy craft, but without maybe expertise or danger. Yes, I think it's a great idea. I don't know mm-hmm. if we'd have a Facebook group or sell T-shirts, but it's something where I think it's something that a lot of people late in life would be interested in. I think a lot of us have made these. I'm going to say fifth, or, fifth or sixth grade. I think I had a variety of these mm-hmm. organizations mm-hmm. that I spent a lot of time coming up with org charts. Deciding, you know, who was going to be vice president under me and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But uh, yeah, and certainly and I have to think that it would be something, I don't know, like an A-team type thing where because of our various connections in our various industries that we're involved in, we would know people who need help, right? You, you would right. know people, you, you would actually be able, and it would be like a, a reverse business. <laughs> we wouldn't, you know, we might not be advertising in the yellow pages, but we could go to people and say, you, you need a little bit of help from, yeah. from the Roderick group. Right. From the Roderick group. I love right. names like that so much. <laughs> and you cannot tell anything about what they do. Yeah. And the business card just says the Roderick Group. Like, and then you hear the number. Rand Corporation. Doesn't the Rand Corporation sound like they make cogs? Yeah. The, or the Rand, the, the Rand Corporation, for a long time, I thought they made crackers. <laughs> <laughs> the Roderick Group. And then I realized, oh, yeah, the Rand, the Rand Corporation is, is like fully Illuminati. I oh. wonder how long the Roderick Group would have to be in operation before the Illuminati contacted us. <laughs> what, for like an acquisition or a merger? Well, or just, or just, you know, initially to feel us out, see what oh, we were all about. potentially blotting us out because we were... You're just, but, are you seeing like what's involved? Is this somebody we need to take seriously? Is this somebody whose family we need to take to Brazil or something? Right, right, right. And then when they realize that we're, that we're a, an eminently serious organization with a great font... And, uh, and, you know, really nice looking flow charts. And, that would and, be really important today. It's a very, it's a, to the millennials are very visual. I yeah, think we yeah. would need it. We would need a great logo. And, uh, and, and yeah, yeah. I, personally, I'd like to stay away from Facebook. I don't have an account anymore. You'd have to manage yeah. that or, or well, somebody in that division. I'm bad at that. I'd love helping people though. I, I but see, this is out. for, for a long, long time. I really felt when I, when I searched my feelings, this is the thing. So, you know, sometimes late at night I sit down. I sit down uh, Indian style, or um, what's the uh, what's the non-offensive? What's the politically correct way? Oh, to Native, say? Native American style. Native American style, but I but I, but I thought it was dot Indian. I thought Indian style was dot Indian, or is that woo woo Indian? Like dot dot in. Talking about dot, the the uh, the <laughs> dot dot yeah top level dot domain. In. Yeah, okay. <laughs> dot biz. Um, no, you know, I, I sit down and I and I and I and I and I focus on my third eye and I say, "What mm. am I here for?" Mm. And I've gotten a lot of conflicting messages over the years. From, retired from, from from yourself. Yeah, that's right. From myself, D- retired director of CIA was. I, see, I think it was a false flag for a long time. Uh, my mind was trying to tell me something that that uh, that just wasn't possible. But what it was really getting at was, and I think we, I may have mentioned this to you before, when the UFOs come. They are going to need a human envoy. They're going to need someone to represent humanity that has everyone's best interest at heart. You know, they 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 can't pick somebody from the United Nations or from the or United States. Certainly, I mean, you know, those people, John, all those people are compromised. They're all compromised, and the thing is, the UFOs, I, I'm I'm fairly confident have have vetted me completely now with the with the. Uh, the owl ambassadors. And I feel like it's all part of the application process, a gradual, slow, you know, as I, as I build more and more people that are, that, you know, that, that understand that my word is bond. It is, it's all in service of this, this, you know, this, I'm this future calling where they, they arrive, right. And there's, they're suddenly just as you as you've seen so many times, giant motherships hovering over all of earth's, all the capitals of the earth. Mm Mm-hmm. And everyone in Singapore and everyone in St. Petersburg, they all run outside and they're looking up and here are these inscrutable, you know, humming motherships. And there's a couple of days where everybody freaks out, but there's no communication from them. Mm-hmm. It's just like, what do they want? What do they want? And the F-16s go up, but they... The, 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 Vaporized. Or, 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 or even uh, just the instruments go uh, haywire. Nobody's hurt, right? Mm. The, the planes land... Uh, under their own power, guided by an unseen hand, and uh, and just as you know, just as as everyone is, just as all the world's governments and all of our technology are revealed to be impotent uh, against these superior foes, then all of the television sets and all of the radios all crackle at once, and they all come on, and they're all 
it's all uh it's all just sort of a green screen and then and then my face boop, 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 boop. Tra- translated translated into all the languages of the earth which mm-hmm. i speak fluently because of the uh, because of the babble fish that's been put inside my yeah they ear. put it like like by your collarbone they give you a little implant it's mm-hmm. a, a babblefishian implant and i say people of earth hello i am a fellow earthling i have been charged with this task Mm-hmm. enviable task to speak on behalf of the ufos who have come in peace and they uh seem threatening but they assure me they are not and so as the speaker now for them and speaker of us to them send me your questions in self-addressed stamped envelopes mm-hmm. to the roderick group mm-hmm. dot biz for some reason, I keep thinking of uh, – I know you're not crazy about the opening music. Uh, there will be blood. Imagine the scene when Daniel goes back out and he's got, he goes to the guy and he wants to start buying land. And he wants mm-hmm. to find out what's available, what parcels, what this person's going to need to do that, who's holding out. Mm-hmm. I, I, I know it's not exactly equivalent, but I kind of see you in that position where you're kind of the real estate agent for Earth. Where yeah, they, right. they would and, come in, or, or, or hearts and minds, right? You, they come to you, and you're able to give them the lay of the land. So everybody gets paid, uh, and hopefully not vaporized, or have yeah. their instruments screwed up. But you would be able to, to act both ways between them. The, the biggest problem, I think you having credibility with aliens is a, a foregone conclusion, but how would you, how would you, would you feel like you needed to build that credibility vis-a-vis Earthlings before you got the, uh, the go-ahead uh, from well, here's the, the thing. Uh, UFOs? Here's the thing. What what Earthlings would recognize in me, automa- you know, instantaneously, is that I'm a straight shooter, right? And so mm-hmm. the 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 UFOs often have to appear to humans in the form of their dead fathers. Yeah, something they would understand, right? But in my case, the the they recognize that they can appear to me in their natural state, and I will comprehend even if it even if their natural state is just a you know a energy ether or a bean pod, or whatever it is that, that aliens are in their natural environment. Maybe it's a, you know, a, 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 a sort of a trans-dimensional um, Z-28 or whatever, whatever <laughs> it they're is. they're not ants. <laughs> if they're ants, I'm going to have some explaining to do. But they, <laughs> surely they already know. And maybe that's, why, maybe that's why they're sending me these encoded messages, because they recognize that I'm not. Uh, I'm not a patsy. Maybe you know. That's... That sounds like such a lonely job, though. The em- the emissary between yeah. worlds. Ultimately, it would be, but that is the kind of sacrifice I'm prepared to make for my people. And I think the citizens of Earth would would you know I would say you're, you're, you're referring to the Earthlings as your people. Earthlings, here. right? Okay. I would say Earthlings. Listen, we we don't have a lot of bargaining room here because like they are, they have superior technology and they've really caught us with our pants down. Um, but you know, I'm counting on them having a sense of humor, and I'm I'm counting on them, you know, recognizing that that uh, that we we have lots to offer. We're good dancers. Um, we uh, we have yeah, lots of different spicy food, and uh, I'm going to give them a tour of some you know some cool spots that I've seen over the years. I'm going to take them into the the Medina in Fez and show them around. A lot of spices in there. A lot of a lot of good sights and smells. You know, like kind of tour guide like. Like uh, love boat style. Okay, so part of it is you're like the, you're Earth's Milton. So you're going to go up and you're going to explain the way uh, the ways of uh, of humans to to, to the uh, UFOs. Help help them understand how to use Facebook and things like that. Yeah, help. I'm going to say, listen, you may be you you may have arrived here thinking that you're going to mine the molten platinum core of our planet mm-hmm. and despoil despoil us. And you're basing this based, you know, on. Uh, on having watched our television channels and, and your like space outpost, but there's a lot more to us than that. I get that cable there, <laughs> and I'm gonna say, you know, I'm gonna say, listen, I'm gonna make a White Castle slab out of India's sacred cow <laughs> just for you. I'm gonna take you down to Florida. Oh. I'm gonna, sh- <laughs> yeah. Oh man. <laughs> You can get land for pretty cheap there now. Places like Nevada, but really Florida, if, if they could set up operations in Florida, I'd be okay with that. The thing is, if they change the tides even by a few meters, mm-hmm. all of Florida is underwater. It's just a it's Well, a precisely, sand. that's why you would want buildings that hover. 
uh, a foot or two above. I think that would give you at least a, a couple centuries of safety. And you can just lift it up a little. Hover, hover buildings are not a bad idea. <laughs> you know, we're so close to having endless renewable energy. Cloud you know? City. S- sorry? Cloud City. Yeah, cl- Cloud City. Yeah, yeah, precisely. I, you know, I think that every... So, to, so yesterday I threw some crumpled uh, aluminum foil in the recycling side of my of my bicameral garbage can <laughs> and, and it had it had food Did it have on food it food matter in it it had food matter in it oh. and i said listen this super train is not going to happen because we wait for it it's going to happen because we start throwing food soiled aluminum foil in our recycling mm-hmm. until they start recycling it. Oh, let it begin with me. That's right. <laughs> oh, that's good. It's like, so again, back to making your own parade, except in this case, it's got aluminum foil with a little bit of uh, meat on it. Mm-hmm. Or let them put it in landfills. There's more raw aluminum for us when the, when the crane comes. <laughs> We're going to roll up to these public parks and they're going to be full of like fully processed aluminum that for whatever reason had a little spaghetti sauce on them and were deemed like unusable. Supertrain's going to fix all that. A tragedy. I mean, in, in the end, it's a good thing. But you know, this is this is how this is how evolution works uh, in, in technology and in culture, uh, UFOs and trains. Is that it, they're really it takes it takes it takes somebody with a certain vision uh, to be able to see something uh, the way it's not. And I think you have that. And that's why I think when I really search my feelings, when I really sit down and say, "What am I here for?" Retired director of the CIA, maybe. UFO envoy, absolutely. And it may already be happening, you know? I mean, I may already be part of the softening of me that's been, that's been happening the last couple of months. It might be that they're just, that they, that they felt like I was just a little too acerbic and they're starting to show me, they're starting to put obstacles in front of me like, Security guards and and alarm companies. Pie. They're just waiting for you to get off the sugar a little bit so that you're you're receptive to their wisdom. I had a, I, so I started trying to do this uh, cheat day. Ugh. Cheat day. My Saturdays were going to be a cheat day where I ate like I used to eat. <laughs> so I would eat I would eat a lar- largely carb free diet all week long, and then on Saturdays I would you know I'd eat carbs. <laughs> And I'm telling you now, Merlin, I don't like them. Hmm. Not I at had, all. I, I had a cheat day on, on Saturday, and I mean, it, it, it all tastes fine. It tastes pretty good. But then I feel like shit. I feel like shit for three days afterwards. And I think, I think uh, even though I have granted myself the, the cheat day option, I think I'm still not going to eat wheat on cheat day. I can't even believe I'm saying this. I feel like I have become a crazy person. I really, maybe the UFOs are really monkeying with me. Well, a year ago, if you had said I would volunteer, I would give myself one day a week where I could eat pasta and I would, I would eschew it mm-hmm. even on my cheat day. <laughs> I never could imagine using the phrase cheat day. Cheat day. Listen to me. I, you know, I sound like, I sound like some, I sound like a guest on the Dr. Phil program. <laughs> There's something is happening to me. I don't know what it is. So they're putting estrogen in my food. <laughs> uh, and this, and now, now this now this beeping alarm downstairs is starting to make sense. It's like you're gonna it's, cry, aren't you? It's some kind of thing. I they're fucking with me. It's all. It's too much. I don't know what's happening. I'm starting to crack up. I don't want a cheat day. I don't even want it.